Welcome to the Grace Long Beach podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My name is Daniel Long. I'm a pastor here at Grace. And just to put an exclamation point on the whole children's ministry conversation, I served with TAC not too long ago in the two-year-olds, which is a sanctifying process. Um, And I remember at one point there was a moment when I think I I said, I think there's a kid in the cupboard. Um, And... (laughs) And there, there in fact was. Uh, and then at another point, there was, um, uh, I think, I don't know if it was the same child or not. I do actually know it was the same child. I just feel bad that it was the same child. Uh, who led like a mutiny and then went into the bushes when we were outside in the, uh, um, going to the playground. Now, I share all of that because if you're wondering, man, where can I get some good stories to tell people? Uh, Children's ministry is a wonderful, like it was a wonderful place to serve. And, and, and seriously, Tech showed me how to do that well um, with the two-year-old. So it really is a wonderful thing that God is doing um, in our church. And kids, um, those of you who are here, I'm very glad that you're with us. It is a gift to have you worship with us, um, not only so that you see what it is we do, but so that we can learn from you as well. Uh, So let's pray, and then we'll get into this morning's psalm. God, you are the good Father who is compassionate and kind and loving and faithful. This morning, I ask that you would help us to be aware of your presence among us, of your activity in our lives, that as we engage this prayer, Father, that we might be shaped by what it says about who you are, in the way that you work in the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This summer we're in a series called Seven Psalms and Seven Statements where we're looking at a psalm one week and then another week looking at one of the I Am statements in the, in the Gospel of John. And this week is a, is a psalm week. So we're going to look at Psalm chapter 103. So if you want, you can open up your Bibles. We're going to look at, uh, look at it in Scripture. Uh, So 502 is the page number if you want to pull one of those out. So just by way of reminder, the Psalms is a collection of prayers that the people of Israel prayed uh, to God. And they show us, as God's people, how to pray. And they show us the way in which prayer forms us. So kids, if you ever if you ever feel like you don't know how to pray, um, that's okay. Actually, um, none of us know 
intuitively how to pray. Uh, the Bible suggests that we learn how to pray by praying. Jesus gave us prayers to pray. But the Psalms teach us how to use words in order to communicate with the God who wants to be active and who is active in our lives. So we have the book of Psalms, actually, to, sh to shape us and to show us the prayers that are prayed. And this morning we're going to look at a psalm of praise. There are a few different types of psalms in the Psalter. Uh, there are lament psalms, which are cries out to God because their life seems to be in the pit and it doesn't seem as if things are going well and they need God's help and so they cry out. There are psalms that are simply looking around at the beauty of creation and, and, and praising God for what they see. And then there, there are psalms that seem to be prayers in response to God's rescue and God's activity. This psalm this morning, the psalm of praise, is one of those psalms where uh, this person, David, it's attributed to King David, he can't help but praise God for the things that he remembers God having done in his life and in the life of Israel. So it begins this way, Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This bless the Lord, O my soul. In some translations, it can be something like, bless the Lord, O my throat. Like, th that it's, it's, it takes everything that this person has in wanting to praise God. That it's this whole core of a person's being is, is for, is in direction of praise to God. That's what this, this psalm is beginning with. Bless the Lord, O my soul, from the very core of my being. I can't help but praise God for what he's done. And part of this praise is in connection to remembering. That praise, that prayer, is essential in helping us be people who remember. And so my question to you is what is your earliest memory? Kids, I want you to think about this too. Adults, kids, what is your earliest memory? Just take a moment to think about that and to think about why that might be your memory. What is the thing that you remember at the very earliest time of your life? Just think for three seconds what comes to mind. I want to just hear what everyone has to say. Um, so here were mine. I did this. I did some work, and I was contemplating this. And I have two. One is no. I'm not kidding about this. One is eating Taco Bell with my great grandmother, uh, and and then that caused me to remember these moments when when I and my great grandmother would. She loved Taco Bell, and she had this this huge boat of a car. And sometimes she would she would watch me because my dad and I we lived with my great-grandmother Eddington. And on those days, she would take me to her favorite place to eat. And I remember sitting down, eating with her. Another memory is um, a memory of, of losing part of my finger. Uh, and I'm not going to tell that story, but, I sh it, but it is true as it's one of my earliest memories. And it was also a way to get you kids to pay attention to me for the rest of the time. Because you'll be looking at, oh, I wonder which hand. It's on this hand, and it's this finger. Um, so, so those are the two earliest memories that I have. 
And, and I've been thinking about, well, one is obvious why that would be a memory. Um, and then, but this other one, I'm not really sure why it's there. But we all have certain types of memories. And so another question for you to consider is what is one of the earliest or most profound memories of God's activity in your life? What is one of the earliest or most profound memories of God's activity in your life? And then the second question is, how do you remember the activity of God in your life? So think about those two things for a minute. Earliest memory of God's activity in your life, and then how you remember the activity of God in your life. Because the psalmist suggests that praise, that prayer, is essential into helping God's people remember what it is he's been up to. So this bless the Lord, O oh my soul, this type of praise that happens at maybe at the birth of a child or at the solidif- solidification of an adoption or at the, the good news that what you thought may, might be the prognosis actually wasn't or the, this praise that the surgery went well. I mean, this is the type of praise that is taking place. And the psalmist is saying he is praising in order to forget not all of God's benefits. Now, here I want to say something to those of you where hearing and listening and thinking about a psalm of praise feels a little bit like salt in a wound. Because you so desperately want to pray this type of prayer. But yet you find that you cannot. Because you are in a season in life where this is not your prayer. You actually would rather pray a lament, or you'd rather hear how we can, how we can come before God with everything that we have in, in complaint or in sadness. And that's all true. But the, the wonderful thing about praise is that it becomes, hopefully, and this is my prayer for any of you who find yourself in that place, that it becomes the possibility of hope and of anticipation Not so much like salt in a wound, but as the possibility that this might be a prayer that you can pray. That the God who we praise is also the God who is present in your lament, bringing you through to a place where you might praise. So bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the psalmist is going to talk about these benefits that God himself has shown and revealed to the people of Israel. He is the God who forgives. He is the God who heals. He is the God who redeems. He is the God who crowns or anoints with steadfast love and mercy. He is the God who satisfies and renews youth like that of eagles. I mean, that's an incredible image, right? And this is what the psalmist is wanting to remember. And what the psalmist will do in this psalm is actually work this out in different parts of his life of how he remembers. So the psalm, as it's structured, begins with praise, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And then there's this section of remembering how God's steadfast love has been worked out. And then the psalm turns, goes back to where it began in the final few verses of bless the Lord, O my soul, as if to suggest as we pray and we thank God for his activity in our life, and we remember the way that God has been active, then when we come back to praise, it's actually a different 
It's a different praise than where we started because of what we've remembered. And so these benefits, these, this forgiveness, this healing, this redemption, this crowning with steadfast love and mercy, this satisfaction, the psalmist will talk about in individual terms. We see that again in verse 1. It, it, he, it's his soul that is, to be, that is to be praising God. But then there's also this, this Israel, this corporate reality to this psalm. In verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, and he made known his ways to Moses his acts to the people of Israel. So the way God is has not just individual effects, but a corporate reality as well. But then not, it doesn't just stay here. It goes to all of humanity. If you look at verses 15, 17, as for man, it talks about humanity in general. Um, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. The consciousness of, of this person praying is keeping all of these things in place within the prayer. But it also talks about God's rule over creation. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. But then he talks about God's rule in the heavens. In verse 20, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. And then again, in verse back to the individual of where it began and where it then ends. This idea that there is no place... In all of creation that is outside the scope of God's presence and activity. Everything is involved. Everything is, is where God is at work. This is good news that the God who is so far above has his hand in all of it. In all of our lives, everywhere we look, that's just how big, how majestic God is. There is nothing outside of his purview. So why do I think this is interesting, and how do I think this can shape us as we pray? It's because prayer, and in particular this prayer of praise, reminds us who we are and who God is. It reminds us who we are and who God is. Again, as we already looked at, who is God? He is the God who sits on the throne and rules over all that's been created. He is the God who is everlasting. And we are the ones who need God's renewal. He is the God who is the just rescuer, and people are the ones in need of rescue. God is the one who shows us steadfast love. Kids, remember, remember this word. Steadfast love, the Hebrew word for that is chesed. Can you say that with me? Chesed. Chesed. Um, and, and, that, and he shows his mercy and grace, and we are the people who are the recipients of that steadfast love and mercy, and grace. These are God's benefits to us. We are the ones who benefit from the incredible and expansive and far-reaching work of God. That's true for every person here and for everyone. But one thing I find really beautiful about this psalm in particular, there's so many things, is how our human frailty how our humanity and the human condition are actually occasions to experience the goodness of God. Now, this psalm is not shy about sin, nor is it shy about death. Two things that we work at great pains to completely deny in our life. We would rather not think about our sinfulness or think about the ways that we, fall, we come up short, nor would we like to think about death and the fact that we are temporal beings. But this psalm says these limitations are actually opportunities to experience this far-reaching, 
cosmic love of God. That if we were to deny them, then perhaps we would miss out on just how good God is. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Verses 14 through 17, thinking about how we are limited in that we cannot save our, keep our lives going. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. So sin, our, our, our brokenness, is actually a way into the heart of God. It's how we experience the grace, mercy, and steadfast love of God. The, our lives, the fact that we cannot stop our death, is a way to experience the everlasting eternal love of God for us. And this is so countercultural to, to use these words like sin, like that we are dust, like that, that we are temporal beings, but they are in fact ways to, to experience God's love afresh in our lives. But I want to talk about verses 10 through 14 for a minute. And Bob, you can, this is a picture of the Milky Way. Now, why a picture of the Milky Way? Well, one, it looks pretty sweet, um, and it's where Earth is located, but it's so expansive. And it's actually not even the largest known galaxy. There are galaxies far larger, and actually far beyond this. I can't remember the exact stats. I think the farthest known edge of the universe is something like 16 billion light years away. What does that even mean? Nobody knows. That math is crazy. But if we were to think about the Milky Way, I want you to think about this, just how expansive it is, how wide from east to west, but then how far from, from here to there in relation to the words that the psalmist uses. Starting in verse 10 again. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. So as far as the heavens are from the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Now from as far from here to the, to the edge, the furthest edge of the universe, I think the sun is like 93 million miles away. Now imagine the psalmist laying down this in, at night, considering the sky, having no idea of any of these, this mathematical problem. And yet he, is just, he sees the universe and he says, this is how I understand the steadfast love of God. This is how big it is. But then he continues to say, so far as east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now I love this idea of God removing our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west... I think if you were to go the speed of light across the Milky Way, it would take something like 220,000 years. That's a long time. And I don't need the speed of light. Can somebody please explain that to me? But 
this idea that God wants to take our sins and remove them as far away from us as possible. That this is the God who has done that in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you here today, you need to hear for the first time or for the hundredth time that God's steadfast love has not been exhausted with you. That perhaps you were wondering, how expansive truly is God's love for me? Because I know my story, and I won't tell it to anybody, because I know my story. And I don't know if God's love is that far-reaching. Can it even reach that far back into my past? Is it possible that it will protect me that far into the future? Well, this psalm, this prayer of praise suggests that God's love is so far-reaching that you can never be outside of it. That God will find you. That God's love will hold you. And you need to know that. Some of you are carrying with you, you've come in here and you're carrying this burden of sin and you've carried it for a really long time. And you don't know how to let that go. And you don't even know if you want to or if you can. Well, the psalmist prays in this prayer and he speaks to a God who removes from us our transgressions and our sins as far as the east is from the west. He wants to remove that from your life. He wants to separate you from that. And here is the wonderful news as people who sit on this side of the cross and resurrection, that we know that God has come to us in Jesus Christ to do just that. That on the good news of the cross, in the good news of the resurrection, that God has shown his unending, far-reaching, life-altering love in order to redeem, restore, and renew his creation, and that we are part of that. The psalmist writing this, this praise is before Christ. He is speaking about what he has seen God do in the people of Israel and through their story, so he knows that is the type of God that he is praying to. And yet we, on this side of Jesus, even know how much greater this psalm is. It becomes a different prayer for us, as we consider how far-reaching, how limitless, how boundless the love of God for us is and how it's been shown to us in the coming of Jesus, in his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. That is the good news of this psalm to us this morning. And I think some of you, you need to hear it again and again and again. But kids, I want to talk to you, so just for a minute, stop the coloring and look at me, because I have some words for you. Here's what we ultimately want for your lives. We being adults, being parents, and we're not always the best at showing you this, or telling you this, or I'm, maybe I'm speaking for myself. I'm not always the best at this. But what we want ultimately for your lives is not that you are simply good kids, or that you, that you make good choices, and you do well in school, or that whatever you put your mind to, you do to the best of your ability. 
That's not what we ultimately want. It makes our lives easier, so keep that in mind. But that's not, that's not ultimately what we want for you. Here's what we want you to know. We want you to know that you were created by God in his image, which means we see a little bit, some of what God is like in you. Your life is precious. We want you to know that this God who created you knows you, delights in who you are. We want you to know that this God who created you in his image, who delights in you, also came here in the person of Jesus to live and to breathe, to know some of what your life is like. And that that person, Jesus, is the very embodiment of God's love. So if you want to see what God is like, you look at Jesus. And we want you to know that this Jesus, who is the very embodiment of God's love, held nothing back but went to the cross to endure death so that you will know that God is not afraid of death but will be there in the middle of death. But then also to absorb all of the the sickness and the sadness and the pain that sin in our world causes. But that that's not the end of the story. We want you to know that Jesus Christ, through the power of God, was raised again, saying that he is Lord over all creation, that he is Lord over everything, that he has the very power of God to defeat the evil enemy that is death. And we want you to know that God calls you into this life of love everlasting and that there is nothing that you could ever do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. But God, because he is God and because he is for his creation, for whom he is made, for all of us to be restored and renewed, that he is committed and steadfast to always going after you with love. And we want you to know that this is your story, that this is our story together, that this is what defines us. And the cool thing is, kids, you are not only invited into that story, but you have a role to play in that story, that you have an essential part to play in the work that God is doing in the world. And you have a role to play now, You don't need to wait. You have a role to play now to show us, to show the world, to show your friends, to show your school, wherever it is where you are. God wants to use you to bear witness to his love in the world. That is what we want you to know. And that is what we want to captivate your life. That is what we hope grabs hold of you in such a way that all of your life is lived in response to that. And that you will always know and remember that there's nothing that can ever change that. Because that has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with God. Who has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And in his life, death, and resurrection, this is our story. Amen to that. Um, And so, kids, with that, we... We have a practice, and it's called communion. And this is where we 
continually remember the story that it is we're part of. This reality that God is the one who it doesn't matter how far is from, from here to there, God's everlasting love will always break through. That as far as the east is from the rest, the west, God will remove our transgressions from us. The bread and the cup is a reminder to us that Jesus is the embodiment of God's love who held nothing back so that we might know his inviting, steadfast, and renewing, restoring, healing, forgiving love for us.